0: We want to take a moment to give a shout out to one of our reviewers. This one is from Nina. Nina says, it's always beautiful to find someone making a hard thing positive. Great podcast. So inspiring. Nina, thank you so much for your five-star rating and review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. Tamron Little is a wife, mama of four, and a cancer survivor. At the age of 21 and pregnant, she was misdiagnosed with a fibroid tumor, which later turned out to be peritoneal mesothelioma. 15 years later, she shares her story, spreading hope and inspiration to others. Tamron, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: We had many technical difficulties, but we are here now.
1: <laughs> yes. And
0: as I mentioned, before I hit record, your bio really sets it up so beautifully. So as someone who had a fibroid tumor, I, kn- I know what that is and and, mm-hmm. and how painful it can be. So take us back to even before, you know, what, what were your symptoms? Take us back to before the misdiagnosis. Let's start there. What was going on?
1: Well, actually, um, as I like to say, I was a college student. I was 21 years old. Um, as people say now, living my best life. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and I found out that I was pregnant. Um, I was still going to classes. I even changed my classes around to, you know, fit my schedule so I can stay in school. Um, So pretty much for me, the symptoms, the pregnancy symptoms mask the symptoms of the mesothelioma, pretty much. So when they told me that I had a fibroid tumor, they were saying, yes, you know, you're going to be tired because it's, you know, draining all of your blood and things like that. And so I really didn't think anything about it because I'm just like, okay, well, I'm pregnant. This is my first time being pregnant. I don't know what to expect. You know, I'm reading this, what to expect when you're expecting book, (laughs) you know, reading all of the
0: chapters. How did they even know you had a fibroid tumor? Was it from your normal ultrasounds during pregnancy?
1: Yes. um, Month four, when you're 20 weeks, um, you get to go see what the sex of the baby is. So we were excited and the ultrasound tech, she just kept going around a certain spot and I'm thinking, uh-oh, she's going to tell me I have twins.
2: You know? <laughs> so that's what was in my
1: mind. And I was looking at my, my husband. He, he was my boyfriend at the time. And we were just looking at each other like, oh, gosh, twins, you know. And so she told me that I was having a boy, that we were having a boy. And then she said, um, I, I see something. And I think that it's a fibroid tumor. But I'm going to send you over to our main location so they can take a look at it as well. Okay. And so I said, okay. So I was hit with, you're having a boy. And then go over to the other center to see what this thing is in your stomach, you know. And so she reassured me, oh, you have nothing to worry about. And so. We went to the main location and the second Orchard Town Tech uh, confirmed what the first one saw, said it was a fibroid tumor, um, said I had nothing to worry about because fibroid tumors are, um, you know, kind of normal in, in women of childbearing age um, and that I just had to be monitored um, by my um, OBGYN as well as a hematologist because by that time my hemoglobin was very low. It was a, okay. sitting, sitting at around a seven or eight. So they were um, measuring that up to the fibroid tumor, making me have an iron deficiency pretty okay. much.
0: Okay, so that's why you felt tired in addition to being pregnant? Yes. <laughs> so
1: Definitely.
0: did they continue just to monitor the fibroid, what they thought was a fibroid tumor, as you went in for your normal pregnancy checkups?
1: They did. So I actually, I would see my OBGYN one week and then the next week I would see my hematologist. Um, And at the time um, I was living in Fayetteville, North Carolina, Um, me and my husband was attending UNC Pembroke. Um, So what they were doing, because usually when you are pregnant, you go, you know, once you find out, you probably don't go to the doctor until like a month or two later. Um, but when I was four months and they found out I had a fiber tumor, I was going like every other week because I was going to see them to make sure that the baby was, you know, developing well. And then I was going to the hematologist because they were trying to figure out, um, why my hemoglobin was so low. Um, at one point in time, I was on iron pills six times a day. What? Um, Those things are horrible. Are you serious? Yes.
0: Were you not the most constipated Um, person on the planet?
1: I was so constipated. I mean, miserable. I mean, to say the least. Um, And then they switched over to. um, Which I never heard before until that day, um, high potency iron. It was some kind of special high potency iron that they put me on. So I was on that three times a day because it. Was supposed to be more powerful than the one that I was on previously. So, seeing that I was young, I was away from home. Um, my family, um, you know, said it was best for me to drop out of college and move back home,
0: Where so I is can be home? closer
1: to them. Home is Winston Salem, North Carolina.
0: Okay, right.
1: So, so I was a couple no. hours away. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, they just they just felt like you know you need to be here with family you know, with the doctors that we know, so we can get a second opinion and figure out what is going on. Um, because my hematologist in Fayetteville, he wanted to place a port in my arm for me to get iron infusions three times a week. Um, and I was just like, oh no, this is not happening. You know? Um, so I, I moved home, (laughs) I moved back home and, um, they just monitored it. So I got more um, ultrasounds than the average pregnant woman. <laughs> so was so, the thyroid you know, growing see... at this point at
0: all? Was it growing?
1: Um, not, it, it was growing, but it was growing at a slow rate.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, it was uh, growing at a, at a slow rate. It didn't start growing fast until after I delivered. Interesting. Caleb. So. Yeah. So in 2007, January, um, I had my first child, Caleb, and um, it was a, you know, normal birth um, experience. He was healthy, you know, didn't have any issues or anything. Um, of course, they kept me in the hospital a little longer because my iron was was low. Um, and so after that, um, my doctor at the time said, okay, we're going to still monitor this fibroid tumor and we're going to place you on um, birth control. So he put me on birth control and he said, I'm going to give it, you know, um, a couple of months, and then I'm going to have you come back for another ultrasound to see if the birth control would shrink the fibroid tumor. He said, oh, I was usually, ask you. that's interesting. Yeah. He said, usually with some type of birth control, it has like certain type of hormones in it. Um, fibroid tumors usually respond well to that type of birth control.
2: Okay. interesting. Okay.
1: Yeah. So I went for my follow-up after I was taking the birth control um, and the birth control didn't work. Um, by that time, um, the fiber tumor had grown. It was at this time, it was the size of a ping pong ball and it had a stalk on the uh, lining of my stomach, my peritoneum. So he said, okay, well, um, it still might be a fibroid tumor, but you know it might be a, be an angry fibroid. tumor, yeah, but,
2: okay.
0: You know, <laughs> Whatever but, you that know, means. And, yeah,
1: you know, because it was it was it was growing. So he's like, okay, so we're going to um, schedule you for surgery. He said it's just going to be a simple laparoscopic surgery. We're going to take the Da Vinci robots, make three incisions, go in there, take it out. We'll test it. And, you know, you'll be good to go home.
0: Right. And then, then finally okay. they'll have the
1: pathology. Yeah. Right. So um, he had the pathology very quick because uh, I was in the recovery room, recovering. I had just got out of surgery. And he came and stood at the foot of my bed. He told me that my surgery went well, um, that my vitals looked great and everything like that. And he said, and we sent the uh, tumor off to the lab stat because of the way that it Presented it um, itself. It didn't look like a fibroid tumor once they got it out. Right. Um, and he said, uh, and we tested it and it came back cancer. He said, you have um, peritoneal mesothelioma. And I was just looking like, okay, what, you know, who I'm was still with you right there in that recovery, my mom my mom, my husband, and my aunt. They were all, you know, around my bed. So what was I, their response? I really didn't recall, you know, I couldn't ingest everything that was going on. So I was looking at their faces and I was looking around my bed and they were just like, you know, just their face just said it all. Like my mom just started crying. Um my husband his face turned red. I mean, mm-hmm my aunt, she was just like, what, you know, and then I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go home and see my baby, because by that time, Caleb was about five months, you know, so he was still, you know, an arm baby, Um, so they took me to a room, and they said, we know that you wasn't supposed to stay overnight, but, you know, since you got this news, um, you can stay overnight, and, you know, just get it in, and I said, no, I want to go home, um, of course, my mom, my husband—they went to Google. I think back then it was like XG's or something. Yeah, <laughs> <The search
0: engine. laughs> that was still around, I think. Yeah, I think it, before Google just gobbled uh, everybody up. Go. But, um, yeah. Okay, that's so, so, so funny. Yeah, they just,
1: yeah, they just went there
0: and. Can, can yeah. I ask what I'm sure you've been asked, but I have to, be just uh-huh. because of, you yeah, know, thank you television, thank you, you know, public re- relations. Mm-hmm. At least for me, mesothelioma. Yeah. Asbestos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that. That's mm-hmm. I think people think they think some kind of exposure to something mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. I think a lot mm-hmm. of the uh the 9-11 workers, a lot of the firefighters yes. ended up right with mesothelioma. Yes. So how in the heck? See, I'm being PC. I'm being good. Being good, Apple. Yeah. Don't don't slap the, the dirty lyrics on us. <laughs> how in the heck does a 21-year-old Mesothelioma.
1: I know, I know. And when they told me I had it, I didn't know what it was. I had no clue what it was. Like my mom and my husband was getting stuff off the internet. Everything that they were getting off the internet was bad. Was poor diagnosis, and it was older men, like between sixty-seven and like seventy-three. Um, older, you know, Caucasian male that worked in a coal mine. Exactly. Or, and, yeah. and, and something. And then I'm here, you know, 21 <laughs> years 21. old, I just had a baby and I'm like, I've never in a day of my life worked in a coal mine or been a firefighter or something like that. So, um, did anyone answer that passed, question? They didn't. So as years passed, I hired a um, private investigator The two things that he can suspect, but he really doesn't have hard evidence because I was so young, but I was exposed when I was a toddler. So it was either I ingested it from something um, because my grandfather was a construction worker. So I may have um, ingested it from one of the chemicals that I was maybe playing in or something, or I also lived in an old apartment building that you know has gotten several sanctions and you know things like that because it wasn't up to code. So they're thinking that it was then. Wow. And so I I could have been about two or three. Yeah, when that when that happened. Yeah.
0: Wow. Do you have any
2: siblings? I do. I have three. Have they had any signs of cancer? Mm -mm. Nope. Just more. (laughs) <laughs> and Caleb's fine. Caleb is fine. Caleb is 15 now.
0: Yep, did did 15 your thought now. go to that I, to get him
2: tested to get.
1: No, um, no, because even though he was in there <laughs> when the mesothelioma was in there, but how they explained it to me is that he was in his own. Back, That's you know, true right. So he was first protecting yeah. him. Wow yeah, so the placenta protected him and where the um, uh, mesothelioma was, it was partially on my left side hmm. and it was growing from the lining of my stomach and creating a stalk. so it was a stalk with the tumor hanging there.
0: Wow yeah. well what yeah. after they, they get the pathology back, they tell you, What was the treatment plan?
1: They didn't have a treatment plan.
2: What? Um,
0: (laughs)
1: What? Yeah, yeah, and they actually sent in a grief counselor
2: Um, and they told
1: me I had 18 months to live. Yeah, so he said he was going to refer me to one of his oncology um, colleagues which no knew nothing about mesothelioma. So I wasted probably a month or two going to him every week. And all he would do was check my weight, check my vitals and check my blood to make sure to monitor my hemoglobin. He even told me he didn't know anything about it. That's it. So um, my mom was, And my husband was looking at different places in Canada. I think at the time, I think it was one in the United Kingdom or something like that. Um, But like I always say, um, there's always a ram in the bush. So um, my mom talks a lot. And sometimes I'm just like, oh, please stop talking. But this time, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's... She loves to talk and she loves to tell everything everything so she went back to work talking telling everybody pray for my daughter you know this and that and so one of her co-workers said what mesothelioma we actually have a specialist and his name is Dr. Everett Levine and he specializes in mesothelioma that's amazing so um, I mean God sent he was right in my backyard. he was just at another hospital, he so he was, was right, right there in my backyard in north carolina he was he was right in in my city. Oh. I was just being treated at at a at another hospital right so they were just taking me through their people right. which didn't know anything about it, and I don't think they even tried to you know it was just like the doctor he had no confidence he had no hope. And I'm just sitting here, you know, badging him with, with questions and, and he couldn't give me any questions. And I'm like, well, if you can't help me, then I need to find someone who can. Yeah. So I got an appointment.
0: I was going to say, here's the deep, dark, dirty secret, even in the best NCI cancer centers in the U S each one of them has a few cancers. They're really good at, they're not all good Mm -hmm. at the best cancers. Mm-hmm. And and they all know it, but mm-hmm. if you get sent to that cancer center, and I won't say one because I want them to sue me or get mad at me, but mm-hmm. even if they're not the best or that cancer, they're still going to take you as a patient.
1: Oh yeah, they will. Yeah. Money. Yeah.
0: So mm-hmm. you get an appointment with him. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I got an appointment like right away, like oh. within like the next week. And when he walked into that room, I tell you. I mean, I had hope, but when he walked into that room and I was like, it was just like this peace just came upon me and I was just like, I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. And this was even before he said a word, like I just knew that God sent him to help me with what I needed help with. And I spent all this time with this other doctor. And so he comes in. He tells me what it is. He, you know, breaks it down. ABCs, C's, one two threes. Tells me what it is. Tells me where it comes from. And he tells me how he's going to treat it.
0: What did he say? And about treating he it. He
1: said, um, he said, there's this surgery. It's up and coming and it's it's new. Not a lot of doctors do it. I think at the time he was the only one that did it in uh, the United States because it was another one in um, the, the UK or something like that. So he was the only one who did it because they wasn't sure about it, but it's called HYPEC, hyperthermic introperitoneal um, chemotherapy.
0: Interesting, okay. And
1: um, when he when he said it and he, he told me what the surgery was and everything and the recovery and how long I'm gonna be under and stuff like this, I was like, okay, I want it. And he said, aren't you going to go home and think about it? I said, there's nothing to think about. I said, there is nothing to think about. And my grandmother, she was in there shaking like a leaf, Lord help her. (laughs) And uh, she said, yeah, you're going to, you got to think about it. I said, no. I said, I have prayed and prayed to God to send me a breakthrough. And this is my breakthrough. I want to schedule it. Like, I mean, I want to schedule it now. So he, he's that, that day in the appointment, he scheduled, um, my, um, appointments leading up to the surgery and everything. And when he, when he shook my hand, it was just like warmness. I and mean, he smiled and, and like the beard, it was just
2: Aww. like, I got you.
1: you know, I just really, I really felt that from him, you know, he, I got you, you know, he's like, you're young. We caught this in an early stage. You're going to get through this, you know?
0: Does he know and that so you still I re- feel this way all these years later?
1: He does. Good. And um, he calls me, his whole team calls me the, mir- the walk-in miracle patient. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. Because <laughs> even after the surgery, like the surgery, it is a very intense surgery, very intense it's um it took about ten hours Oof. and during the ten hours he took the rest of the tumor out, he took a part of the lining of my stomach out, and he gave and he heated chemotherapy and radiation to the highest degree that he could heat it. And they turn me over on one side for two hours and then turn me over on the other side for two hours. It's like a shake and bake. They call it the shake and bake. (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah, (laughs) because
1: they're shaking a baby, you know. But so, yeah, it's a very intense surgery. And, of course, he told me I wouldn't be able to have any more kids. He told me to be grateful for Caleb, the one that I had, you know, that I would have problems with my kidneys and things like that or he said some people have a colostomy bag and blah 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 and I was like okay you know but I had faith in God and I still have faith and I knew that God was going to bring me through and he did so when I came back two years later no three years later for an appointment and I had Caden he said this is not your baby is it and I said yes And he said, what?
0: (laughs) Is this why you're the miracle?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, okay. He was like, well, I'll take back what I said. And uh, so, yeah. And then two years after that, Savannah. And he's like, okay, Tamron. Next time you come back, you don't have to have another baby. (laughs) He's like, you're already a miracle Walking miracle patient here, you know, <sighs> and so he, you know, called his colleagues in there. Can you believe this? Wow, you know, and yeah, he was just so amazed. Even at year five, he said, usually year year five is when they start saying that you know you can say that you're a survivor, right? um And he said, you know, but he said, Tamra, you're so interesting. He was like, I still want to see you back in like two years or so, and I said, okay. And um, so the last time that I saw him was years ago and he was just, he, he couldn't even say anything like all, I just saw that grin again, Aww. you know, and um, yeah, he's a, he's a very special doctor. And my mom used, used to work at the hospital that he worked at and when she would see him he would say, how is, how is Tamron doing?
2: Oh. She like, oh,
1: doctor, you just don't know. She's doing she's doing great. She's doing this, this and that. And so it's just, it's really, um, you know, like a full circle moment. And when I get to meet people, I just spoke at the White House two weeks ago at the Cancer Moonshot Initiative.
2: Oh, and
1: fantastic. I had, yes, it was such a great experience. I mean, great I met so many great people that are really trying to make moves to, you know, change the way that we see cancer, change the way that we treat cancer. And I met this lady and after I gave, I I gave my speech, she came, she came running up to me and she said, did you say Dr. Levine? I said, "Yes." She said, Dr. Edward Levine. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, he did my surgery. I said, what? She said she had breast cancer, and he did her surgery. And she said he is such a wonderful man. She traveled all the way from Ohio,
0: wow, to go to yeah. Wake
1: Forest Baptist Medical Center for him. Yeah, wow. So it, just, it really, you know, touches me that you know he he is connecting with patients, and he is really helping them thrive. You know, even when they get a diagnosis such as cancer, he is giving them. A little bit of hope, and then me by sharing my story, you know, of overcoming everything that I did, I'm able to give people hope. You know, I'm I'm able to allow them to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel.
0: How long did it take you to recover from that surgery?
1: Mm, um, about a year, I would say. to wow. You know that I was really feeling like myself. Yeah. Because I was cut open from the, um, top of my breastbone on down. Wow. Yeah, so okay. It took me a while to, um, get rid of the hump and I still have a hump. <laughs> because, what do you, you know, mean? Hovering over. Well, hovering over it, it took me a while to stand up straight. Okay. Because it was, when I would was stand it painful. Up straight, it felt like my insides were going to fall out. So I had this special pink pillow and it was so perfect. It, it just fit right there you know, around my stomach. And everywhere I went, I walked with that pink pillow and I walked hunched like that because it, you know, acts as like a, a comfort piece and, you know, something to hold on to because it does feel like if you have, if you ever been cut open, it, it feels like it's falling out. Wow. Well, no wonder he
0: was shocked that you had more children. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I had them all vaginally. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, I I have to ask, what was your worst moment and
1: all of that? It had to be after I had surgery. And I was just so frustrated. I was in pain. They were telling me that if my um, if my kidneys didn't wake up and my creatinine level didn't go down, I was going to have to get dialysis temporary. So I was just I was just so upset, and my husband got me out of the bed and started walking me around, and I just felt so bad. Like I was just in this dark moment, and um, you know, just snapping at him, and you know, because I didn't know. What was to come, and they were giving me all this, and you know, my hope was up, you know, everything because I had this surgery, and then boom, boom, bam, this, you know. But, um, he actually helped me get through that, you know. He broke it down and he said, Listen, he said, God got you through that, he's going to get you through this. So, all you have to do is just worry about taking one foot, one step in front of the other. Do not worry about what's down the road. Right. Just take these steps. I really appreciate
0: that because I think most of the time people outside of this experience assume Mm -hmm. it's when you hear the word cancer. And I would say Mm -hmm. 10 to 15% of the time, that's what people say. Yeah. But most of the time, it's something like what you just said, Mm -hmm. something completely different Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. is really that, that The
1: aftermath.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. What about what was your best moment? My
1: best moment was when I went for my first CT scan after my surgery. Okay. And I walked into Dr. Levine's office after I had my scans. And he came in there with a big smile on his face and he said, You're all clear, Tamron. You're all clear. And, I mean, I couldn't even cry before my grandmother, like, my my grandmother <laughs> just started just, oh, thank you, doctor, you know, she's just <laughs> dramatic, my mom's dramatic, and then my husband's just sitting there, like, just, you know, he was excited, he was just, you know, trembling, and I, I couldn't do anything but just say, God, I thank you, you know, and he was like, you don't have to see me for another year, so...
0: And see, I just changed Um, colors. I just turned red. So yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that was one of my, you know, I'm just like, yes,
0: that's a milestone.
1: I got,
0: I got over the mountain. Yeah. That's, that's a huge milestone Got over the mountain. I'm really excited to ask you this question, given just the the journey you went on, Mm -hmm. what is one thing you wish you had known? At the very beginning, and I will let you decide what's the beginning, whether it's when you were told Mm -hmm. it was a fibroid or when you actually got the correct Mm -hmm. diagnosis, you choose
1: what word beginning means to you. Well, I'll say, I wish I would have known more about mesothelioma and, you know, it wouldn't have taken me that long to find Dr. Levine, um, because if they would have found out when I was pregnant, I mean, I would have had to have the amniocentesis um, and, and all that just to, you know, and they didn't want to deal with that while I was pregnant. So uh, I wish I was more knowledgeable in that there were more resources out there um, about mesothelioma and asbestos and things like that, because it was not a lot. And the resources that were out there 15 years ago was so poor.
0: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you could only do one thing to improve healthcare in
2: the U.S., what would it be and why?
1: I could only do one thing. I would do an overhaul in the, commu- the communication sector, starting from once the patient enters the door. Um, communication can get lost. Um, a lot of patients feel like they can't communicate with their physicians um, because they're so high up here. But if you know, it can be a communication overhaul starting from the basics. What would
2: that look like? Do you know?
1: For me that will that will definitely look like um, healthcare healthcare workers teams being more um, educated on communication and why it's so important and why it's so important for the patient to um, understand what they're saying. Because I always say that communication is all about not not listening to compare, but listening to comprehend. Mm,
0: I like that. I like yeah. that. All right. Mm-hmm. Lighten things up. <laughs> Are you ready for the thrive wrap rapid fire? Sure. Okay. All right. Beach,
2: desert, or mountains? Beach. Beach boys, beetles, or rolling stones? Beach boys. Me too. What's one word <laughs> that best describes you? Mm. Um inspirational before you die what's the last song you want to hear Mm. um promise by jacket edge okay what about the last meal you want to eat
1: i my grandmother's oxtail stew and my mother-in-law's fried chicken and my husband's banana pudding
0: Oh, I love banana pudding. It's easy to mess up, <laughs> like it's easy it. to be bad. But when it's done well, oh, love it, love it. He makes it well. What about the last person or people you want to see?
1: Of course, my husband and my kids. Let's see, Jesus, because that would that would mean that I I made it to you him. made it to the right place. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: we have Caleb, Savannah. Mm-hmm. Was it Caden? No. Yeah. Hayden. And I'm, I i did not hey, hear the four, fourth one. Sydney, Sydney. Oh, oh, so pretty. Yeah.
1: So both of my boys are the oldest and the girls are the youngest.
0: Oh, and mm-hmm. what about the last words you will speak?
2: Um, that is good.
0: And aside from cancer, you what's one resource you would recommend for cancer patients and caregivers, and please be sure to tell people how they can get in touch with you.
1: I would definitely say um, the mesothelioma center um, or um, asbestos.com. They have a lot of resources. Um, They have different support groups and they have different connections within the cancer community um, that they can connect you to um, wherever you are um, in the United States or all over the world. Um, They have a lot of different things on their website. So you can go to asbestos.com. You can also check me out. Um, at Tamron Little.com uh, as well as asbestos.com. I am a contributing writer and I write a lot about my experience um, of having cancer and of being a caregiver myself to my husband when he had cancer. Um, and you can also follow me on Instagram. Um, I'm Tamron Little on Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, um, and all the other social media outlets.
0: Okay, you forgot to mention your husband had cancer. What the heck? How did we, how did we not like hear that? Not one time. Okay. We're going to throw it in here at the very, very end. What kind of, uh, what kind of cancer did your husband have and how long
1: ago? He had, he was diagnosed in 2018 with mucosal lymphoma and he was treated in 2019 with eight rounds of radiation therapy every day for eight weeks.
0: So you two just go for the really rare ones, huh? special. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So so we kind of flipped roles and how's you know, he doing today, the caregiver, he is doing magnificent. Um, okay. He is still cancer free and he is just, he, he really amazes me. And he really showed me what strength is because uh-huh. I took off work to help him right. for nine weeks and he went to school. He never missed a day. He went to work. He never missed a day. He never complained, and I mm-hmm. could see on his face some days where he was so tired. And sometimes I felt bad because I had to go pick the kids up from school, and I couldn't take him to his radiation appointment. And he would just be so tired, but he never complained. So he really showed me what um, strength strength is, and um, you know, he just you know just showed me what a miracle is. You know, besides looking at myself, but you know. And that God's to answer prayer because he, he brought both of us out.
0: And for the people who are listening and can't see your face, there are the, just these beautiful tears slowly rolling down your face. <laughs> really you sweet. See that? <laughs> yeah, I can. It's really sweet. Tamron, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story.
1: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity.